my name's Hannah, and I'm calling to say um, or to talk about something that I found difficult as a parent. Um, there's many, many things that I find difficult being a parent, but one of the things I did not expect was with all the craziness going on in the world, um, I didn't expect that every day when I put my daughter on the bus that I would feel horrendous anxiety um, because I don't think a day passes that I don't worry that something might happen um, with my children at school, um, you know, or wherever we go. I I find myself feeling, sometimes I get quite depressed about it, what's going on in the world. So I have to delete all the apps from my phone so I don't read too much news and start my day off wrong and, and you know, spend as much time as I can with my kids. But that's definitely one thing that I never expected as a parent um, to feel. I knew that I would worry, but I did not think that it would be about the safety of my child while while they're in school. Um, but there are many things, um, and being a parent is not is definitely not easy, and also being a single parent is not easy. That was not something that I expected. Um, but nonetheless, I love being a parent, and um, and that's it. Thank you. We share our stories to feel less alone. And people dare to share their stories with us. Don't talk about it. Shh. I hope nobody finds out. I am so weird. I can't believe I just did that. You're not weird. And you're not bad. You're human. Welcome, welcome to, to Striptease. Well, welcome to parenthood. <laughs> you know, it really is the the it starts in utero too. You know, you, when you're when you're pregnant, you're worried about what's going to happen, and when the doctor talks about all of the different issues that a baby can be born with, you know that that really starts the beginning of the parenting anxiety. So that does not go away. It shifts, but it doesn't go away. And there's a biological reason for that. We need to have a little bit of that anxiety because we are taking care of our children and we need to be their caregivers, right? On the flip side of that, there is so much going on in the news, so much constantly. The news cycles are crazy. We've got social media. We are more connected today than we ever have been. News comes stuff. Somebody farts in Africa, we know two seconds later from Twitter. He apologized for it. Yeah, but it's just, you know, the butterfly but still, the butterfly it was star, a party. Right? That's what that hurricane was. <laughs> so <a> big fart. <laughs> so it's smart to shut down. When you feel your anxiety coming up and you're worried about your children, deleting the apps is fantastic. Turn off the news. Promise yourself you are going to go on a news and social media fast for however long you need to. It's the smartest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Growing up. We didn't have this, Michael. I mean, I'm in my early 40s. I'm 42. We didn't have these news cycles. The same stuff was happening then. We mm-hmm. just didn't hear about it. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, life was a little bit easier. Well, I mean, obviously, what I'm going to say to this person as well is it's not it's so much to do with their child, but with them. it's not about the kid. It's about them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the anxiety that they're facing about their life, about what they're going through, because it's quite a bit of... I learned a long time ago I can't possibly know what it's like to be a parent because I'm not a parent. So I have no way to understand that experience. But the primal connection emotionally to a child, I've seen countless times that you simply cannot tell anyone what to do or how to do with a 
they can't hear it and they don't want to hear it. And so I don't ever say anything. But when someone is putting their child on a bus, right, I would imagine, or driving to school and dropping them off, if the anxiety they're feeling, it, it's something that is being exasperated because they wisely said they shut their apps off. But there's something in them that doesn't really trust their kid's going to be okay. And it's more about how they view life and how they view themselves, not their kid. So I, it, it's not about the child. And see, this is why. So you as a parent, as I'm talking, you're putting your eyes to the sky. Yeah. This is why I don't say this because parents of kids can't hear this. But But I'm telling you, it's not about the child. It's about the parent. I believe that there's dual forces, right? So there is a biological, something chemically, especially with women, changes in their body. There is an attachment. There are actually hormones that are created that creates attachment with your child. Mm -hmm. It is a biological thing, Yes, and I've seen it, and that's why I can't possibly comment on it. And so for, yes, it's partially about her, of course, it's also about the attachment that she has to her child. It's very scary as me as a parent sending my kids off to school and I get a notification from school saying anything. It doesn't matter if it was good, bad, or whatever. I'm like, <gasps> what happened? There's that second of <gasps> because there's so many school shootings. There's so many things that are going on. I mean, drugs and everything else. Of course, we were teenagers, so we all remember that. I think that's actually the least of the problems with the parents these days. But when you send your child off to school, instead of focusing on what bad could happen that day, which creates a lot of anger, creates a lot of anxiety because anger because you're not in control of it, and anxiety because you're not in control of it, focus on what the child is going to be learning for that day. Focus on what a great day that child's going to have. I'm going to, they're going to come home. I'm going to give them a hug. I'm going to do their homework with them. What am I going to make for dinner tonight? Let me focus on myself and do a meditation as opposed to focusing on strictly what are all the terrible things that could happen during the day for that child. Because the child's also going to feel your anxiety. And I hate saying that as a parent. They are. Because other parents will take it and say, oh, my God, now I'm bad because now I'm creating anxiety no, in the, my that's, child's that's life. That's the mind. We're just talking pragmatic here. Yeah. Right. So really just – Focus on something different. If you go back to that, say, okay, got it. That's my anxiety coming up. I see you. Thank you very much. And then focus back on something else, whatever that might be. Being a single parent is a whole other mm-hmm. thing. Now, mm-hmm. single parent is being is is really no joke, being a single parent. It's also a lot of fun. For me, I had no rules. I was a single parent. I had no rules. I had nobody telling me how I needed to parent, when I needed to do things, focus on whatever. I could do whatever I wanted with my child. So there was a lot of freedom in that. And so I really, really enjoyed it. And so I I understand people when they say, you know, I'm a single parent, and they kind of use that as their victim crutch. I've heard it a lot of times, not Hmm. saying that she did, Hmm. but a lot of them say, oh, you know, I can't get off of food stamps because I'm a single parent. Or I can't do this because I'm a single parent. Can I add something in here? Sure. This is what I was thinking. So when I've spoken and worked with people who are single parents, they literally do not have time to take a shit. Like when I hear their schedule, they're what we called in corporate TikTok, I'm like, you can't even fucking pee. Like when I hear their schedule, I'm shocked. So when I say to them, well, you have to make sure and take time aside to meditate and yoga, and they're like, yeah, right, that's not going to happen. And when they tell me, and I say why, and they tell me why, I'm like, you're right, you don't have time. But what I say is this, is that obviously we all know this, without a parent taking their 
their emotional life more seriously than their child's life, they can't give anything to their child. And so when I say to people, you've got to make your child second, they lose their minds. And I'm like, I can't. Okay, but if you don't make yourself first, you can't be there for your kid. And, and everybody knows this in theory, but what you're speaking about in terms of hormones and that emotion, that is so prevalent that this is why we have to step back and notice the genetics that are drawing us to these emotional responses, observe them, you know, notice ourselves noticing. I always say this is the thing that saved my life was notice myself noticing those new thoughts, the emotional reaction. And then if you notice that, then you can decide about, am I going to take action based upon that? And then when the, the flinch thing comes up for parents, right, all mm -hmm. the time, it's a combination of not taking enough time away from the call from the counselor in your daily life to notice yourself noticing so that you 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 take your emotional stability more important than anything, your kids come second. So when the kids come second and the parents come first, then the kids obviously come first. Right, which is why I was going to call bullshit on the I don't have time. And, and when you said, you know, I don't have time, oh, you don't have time. No, they actually do. At some point, the kids fall asleep. They do. They're, they'll take a nap. They'll fall asleep. You've got But how do we get them to hear that? Because I get such push, pushback from parents. When I say that, they're like, you don't fucking know. You don't have a kid. I don't have time. And they won't. And that's the victim mentality that I was talking about. But how do we compassionately and kindly get through that? Like, how do, when we talk to people, let's say, okay, so you and I would have a parent, right, as a client, and the parent would say, I know you're telling me that I should meditate for my children and for me, but I don't have time in the morning. I have five kids. I'm a single parent. I've got to get these kids off to school. Do you have any idea what my house is like? I said, yeah, it's Armageddon. I've been. So when does your child go to sleep? Uh, well, I, I can't control when they go to sleep. Okay, so, but they do sleep. And now and then, friggin' things. But yeah, they do sleep, the tornadoes. But then what am I going to do? I'm in school right now getting my master's. But they're not in school when their child is sleeping. So, so this is this is going to go back and forth, but they sleep at night. The children sleep at no, night. I, I, they have 15 we're, we're minutes. Role, right. We're, we're role-playing role role playing, because that's, what they, were, that's what they say to me on the phone, these people. And at a certain point, and this is how we're different in coaching terms, I would be calling bullshit on that early on. Mm -hmm. So I would say, okay, I, I'm calling bullshit. There is time. In your day, night, if you cannot meditate in the morning, if you can't meditate meditate in the afternoon, then meditate at night after your child has fallen asleep. At some point, you take a shower. When you're in the shower, is there a way that you can close your eyes and just for five minutes feel the water hit your skin? Feel the senses that you're sensing at that moment. Check in with yourself. That is a form of a meditation when you do that. I've, just told, that I've told parents to masturbate in the shower. Yeah, I mean, they're like that was okay. a, that was a great. They were like that was a great meditation. I actually relaxed. <laughs> we, I read to my kids at night. I'm like, yes, right. <laughs> there is time. The one thing that I I will say as a single parent, when the child falls asleep, you say, should I do the dishes? Should I take a shower? Should I take a shit? Or do I need to meditate? So you've got four things on your plate already that you've got a choice of. And from what I'm hearing you say is make yourself first. Whatever you need in that moment. If you need a meditation. Do your meditation. If you need to masturbate, masturbate. This is why we're so awesome together. So I've been told often that I have a penis, but that I think like a woman, meaning like I'm very emotional, right? And my sister's like, I'm, I have more of a dick than you do. Like I think like a man, like I'm pragmatic, get it done. You and I are very different in our, in our like you're very pragmatic, logical. And you said to me on the phone, shut up, do this. You know how many times I've heard you hear, say this, Michael? It, and you just like get into me and I'm like, shit, she's right. And then when you and I talk, I'm very like emotional and soothing. And it, so the middle place there 
between you beautifully detailing four things that a person can do to make them aware. I find most people don't, as a parent, single parent, aren't willing to hear that until all hell has fallen apart and they're just a complete disaster. Is there any other way, do you think, to get through to someone to help them understand the importance of being pragmatic, workmanlike, breaking it down to serviceable tasks, because then they'll find the relief? Because most people are in an emotional state of such overwhelmment as single parents, they can't hear that correct answer. So I now know, I'm old enough now, what you're saying is correct. But I know emotionally to try to get those people to relax if they're more like me, which is emotional reactive all the time, right? How do you? How would you suggest that we get through to someone like that so they can hear that that is what's going to help? Okay, so my first go-to and you're <laughs> yeah, he's going to go right there. Here we go, <laughs> triage, triage. Here it comes. That's exactly right. But I would say so. This is what you have been doing. This has been your go-to and your automatic for so long. How is that working for you? That's good. That's good. How is that working for you so far? It's not. And if it's been working for you, then then go ahead and do that. But what I'm hearing is that is not working for you. So next time you say the child is asleep, I've got four things on my plate that I can do right now. Take a second and say, what is it that I need in this moment? Dishes can wait. And then what I would add to that is saying, what do I need in this moment? And then say, what is going to bring the feeling that I just desperate to feel the most efficiently and quickly if I do that thing. This is about helping you get to that emotional state where you can just chill out, relax, and have a perspective on your life. Because in the overwhelmment, we don't have a perspective. We're just caught up in the overwhelmment, like in a tornado. It's like Dorothy. It's like, Christ, where the fuck is that house? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because this can go, this isn't just for single parents and parenting. This happens everywhere. This happens for CEOs, high-stress jobs. It's the, over, it's um, the overwhelming thing. Yeah, like, it, like, it really like is. When I worked at NBC, I had a boss who I loved. I always talk about her. She was a beautiful woman. And her schedule, her schedule of raising two babies was something I could not get my head around. And she couldn't either sometimes. And she would look at me and she would laugh. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to call you Yoga Michael to talk about yoga. And it's so annoying. I don't have time, darling. I'm running a major television network. Didn't always work, frankly. I love her. She wouldn't be surprised to hear me say this. But, you know, to get someone to hear that at these high-performance, you know, jobs that a lot of people I talk with are in, it's like until it all falls apart, no one's willing to understand that they have to take those moments to ask themselves, how do I get ahead of it? It's always about getting ahead of it, I've learned. Because you have to get pain. It has to be painful enough. That's what I find. People come to me when they're at their – they're like, I, nothing else is working. And then I'm like, okay, so here we go. I think that's such a waste of, <laughs> waste of time. We need to get ahead of it. It is. And a lot of times, you know, I'll have clients that will say, okay, well, you know, I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I'll say, it, it's, it hasn't gotten painful enough for you. No, no, it really has. I said, <laughs> well, you're not going to hear it until you're ready to listen to it. And so mm -hmm. what, what the hell does that mean? You're not in the space to hear it. Mm -hmm. It hasn't gotten painful for you enough. And if you're aware of it, you may logically get it, but you haven't tried anything on yet. Okay, hold on. So if people need to get to a place of rock bottom before they can be saving themselves, what is it that uh, happens at rock bottom that allows them to open up? How, why, why does that allow them to hear it? There is a feeling of nothing left. 
So if you can imagine hitting rock bottom and what that feels like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's I've made enough mistakes that I can't dig myself out of it. And there is this feeling of being locked in as if they're in one of those, what were those white jackets, the straight jackets? You get that feeling where you're really nice and loose and then things happen and you keep making mistakes or you feel the stress and then all of a sudden you feel like you're clammed up and you've got this this straight jacket on at that point there is no movement so all you do is have a, an odd like sense of stillness right when you hit rock bottom you have an odd sense of stillness because there's so much going on everything is a blur is it like the eye of a hurricane sort of thing yes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so at that point there is a moment where you're like well shit i have nowhere else to go have you experienced that yes mm-hmm. absolutely That's why I'm asking you. of course <laughs> i mean yeah. i can i can talk about it clearly but and, and in that moment when you hit rock bottom is when you say, okay, I'm ready to hear. So tell me in your words what you wish people would know now about rock bottom people so they don't need to get to rock bottom so they can take advantage of that awareness. What is that awareness? What- Actually, I want to say one thing to the woman to wrap this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So for her, I want her to understand you are doing fucking great because there are no guidelines, there are no rules. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing as a single parent of two boys. You're doing a great job. You're always doing a great job. You're doing enough. You are loving enough. Your child loves you. Your child is going to be okay. Whatever comes his way, his or her way, they're going to be able to handle it because they've got you as their mother. Take care of yourself first. When you're on an airplane, the very first thing they say is put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your child. If you are not surviving, your child is not going to survive. So within your happiness, the child's going to see that and say, you know what? Mommy's happy. This is a safe, loving place. And this is really what I want to be. So just to end it, you're doing a great fucking job. If nobody tells you that, be happy. Enjoy yourself. And to pivot on that. Your child, when they see that you're self-reliant, learns to become self-reliant. So the the child knows when something is going on how to take care of themselves. Kids usually have it pretty figured out. Kids are actually have it more figured out than I think we think as parents. They're okay. They they get it. So when they see the ability to take care of oneself, which a parent exhibits to them, that they of course are mirroring that. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I can go on parenting for a while. I'm sure we will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no matter what the fuck you do, they're going to end up in the chair anyway. So, (laughs) I mean, it's true, though. And on that note. You you know what, though? It really helped me as a parent to understand that at some point, they're going to be in the chair about something. Yeah, And it's okay. It takes the weight off of me and saying, okay, listen, this is their path. Hey, so we know there was a lot of information in this last episode. So if you'd like to reach out to us, we're at stripthepodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail about what's going on in your life, 201-685-0828. Stripped is co-hosted by Jennifer Ho and Michael C. Bryan. It is co-created by Michael C. Bryan, Jennifer Ho, and Ian Hamilton. It is produced by Ian Hamilton and Mariana Trevino. It is recorded and edited by Rich Cerbini at Hangar Studios in New York City. 